Welcome to Can They Do That? brought to you by Scott Law Team, the employment law firm. We are excited to discuss recent employment issues and events that affect your everyday life. Keep in mind this podcast is educational and is not a substitute for legal advice or professional consultation. If you need help, you can reach us at scottlawteam.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Can They Do That? I'm Rachel Kelly. Hi, I'm Kathleen Scott. Welcome to Can They Do That? Our podcast here at the law firm, the Scott Law Team. Today, we're going to be talking about documents and what you need to win an employment law discrimination claim in a wrongful termination case. And I think we're also going to be talking a little bit about preservation and the importance of that. So first, I'd like to ask a question of how do I start a case? So if you're a Scott Law Team client, uh, if you hire our firm, you'll be welcomed by one of our very experienced paralegals. And one of the things they're going to ask you for is all your documents. That's a big ask. Um, And so let me tell you what that means. You can't just win a case based on your testimony alone. I wish that were true. We have a lot of um, employees who come in and tell very compelling stories, but uh, that'll get you in the door. But the next thing is we have to prove that, corroborate it, and then we need to have evidence of it that's undeniable. And so to do that, we need really two things. We need witness statements, witnesses, and we need documents, number two. So to prepare for those two things, first, let's start with witnesses. Yeah. How do we go about that? So we like to get clients when they're either still employed or recently separated, uh, so their memory's fresh. And at that point, we'd like them to give us basically like a memory dump. Anybody that they worked with who saw things, um, names of managers, names of coworkers, first and last, get their cell phones. They have text messages to help refresh their memory as who they may have discussed the issues with. So we want to get the names of pretty much anybody who heard or saw or has knowledge about the, about the issues in their case. Now, do we have to notify those people that this has happened? So it depends, right? So first step is finding out who they are. So if the witness maybe, for example, if the client, excuse me, is a harassment victim, we want to know, well, show us the show us who you think might have seen the harassment. And so there might be reasons we can contact people and, and maybe we should. There might be other reasons. Um, like if it's a managerial employee, we might stay away from them. So it just depends on the case, but we'll definitely hold the client's hand and make sure that we're only talking to people that we should be speaking to and kind of, you know, making sure. But we can't, we cannot build a case without corroborating evidence. We do need those fact witnesses. Now, after we've established who those witnesses are, what next? Sometimes we'll keep the information internally and just try to kind of have that as like to know who they are. We like to gather the data immediately because that's when your memory is freshest. Um, Sometimes we'll we'll, uh, start the full-blown investigation, start reaching out and contacting witnesses. Uh, Depends on the case and the circumstances and and what's going on. Obviously, for a current employee, they may not even be ready for us to be publicly representing them yet, so we might just lay low. just depends on the individual case. Anything could be a witness you might not think about. It might even be like looking through your phone and remembering that, oh, I know where I was on this day because I did this other task. And it may not even be related to the case, but you're just trying to create like a timeline. And so I think a timeline and witness statements and documents really are the building block of any case, particularly an employment case. Okay. So now that we've established witnesses, now we've established that we can either contact them or we decide not to contact them. What's the next step after that? So um, we want to make sure we're gathering documents. We want to do an investigation. So we hear the client's story and what we want to do is corroborate it, make it stronger, make it better, make it persuasive um, and see what's out there. Sometimes we uncover additional evidence and unearthing new facts and information can make the case really, really strong. So we're doing our independent investigation based on what the client tells us. Part of that means getting things from the client, including documents. And so I cannot tell you 
uh, an employment case, documents are a treasure trove. That's where the evidence is in the texting and the emailing. Uh, we need to have the social media posts. We need it all. It, it, we'll even go through and like, if it's an employer, we'll grab the website and download it in its current version. Sometimes we'll try to change the status or change the positions of people. So we like to preserve that. Um, and so we need this information. It's very important to have it early on to get our team working on that soon. Now, if I am signing and I'm hiring the Scott Law team and I see my ATR language that says something of the sort, I have to make a copy of my phone. Is that legal? So, yeah. So here's the point. When you're in a, lit when you're in a legal dispute, both parties in the dispute have a duty under the law to preserve evidence. Uh, and I don't know about you, but like I've dropped my phone in my dog's water dish before. I've been in a public restroom and almost flushed it. So things happen. And what we want to do is freeze time, pre-lawyer time. Now, you, now you're lawyered up. Let us do our thing, which is let's get every piece of information out. Let's preserve it. We might not do anything with it right now, but we have the ability to do something with it if we choose to do it later. So whether it's, it's, it's legal, of course, you have an attorney-client relationship, people can share confidential information with us, but it's more about making sure that we've preserved every piece of evidence because it's going to help them in their case. And what we want to make sure is that our clients can then raise their hand during their deposition and say, under penalty of perjury, I have given everything to my attorney that relates to the case. And they don't have to worry about, well, I don't know if it's backed up on the iCloud. Oh, I don't know. Uh, and there's nothing harder, I think, and I should say nothing, that's a pretty big statement. It's a difficult sell when you're trying to bring a sexual harassment claim. If you're saying, all these things happen, but I don't have one single text message that shows it. I deleted those. That's that's a hard case to win. So we want to we want to get people seeing attorneys soon, protecting the evidence, protecting the data, um, and just and just so you know, we actually tell the other side as soon as we're allowed to. We tell them, hey, we represent somebody. We're bringing a case against you. And guess what? You need to preserve data too. And we tell them the time periods. We say, look, if there's emails, text messages, video. Um, restaurant, for example, in a sexual harassment claim we're working on right now, we know there's video. So the first thing we did is got a letter out saying, do not destroy that video. And we tell them specifically the dates of the video. So if that video disappears, you that's know, a stronger case. that's a stronger case. And under Florida law, it's got a fancy name. It's called spoliation of evidence. So even if, um, so there's an inference the law allows a bad negative inference against someone who destroys evidence. And it doesn't matter if the destruction was intentional or unintentional. So that can be pretty juicy and pretty good. So got to get the details. The devil's in the details. So we got to get the documents. We got to get the information. Now on the flip side, that also applies to a client. If a client had accidentally deleted something or withheld something. Yeah. It goes both ways. It does. Oh, boy. And I can't tell you how many times this issue has come up. Common issues are um, an employee might leave a job and they say, hey, give me back the data that you took, like their laptop, your iPad, your tablet, your cell phone, and the client restores everything to factory settings. Yikes, that wipes the data in some cases. Sometimes we can get it back. But the inference, that would be a situation where they've destroyed data. And we live in a world where it's not paper anymore. It's data. It's electronic data, and that is the same as document company property. So any change, modification, or deletion of that is a big deal. Now, you've been practicing since 1998, correct? Thank you for reminding me. What is that, 20-some, a long time? It's a lot of experience and a lot of expertise. <laughs> That's all we need to yes, know. Yeah. Um, so have you seen the impact of the ESI, the electronically stored info or data yes compared to before. i love it so i feel like it's we get so much more information you know 
papers can be destroyed. Data can't. And sometimes if it is, it's, there's a paper tra trail and can show, oh, so on your way out, you deleted which files with all of the client data information in it? That looks really bad. But in reverse, you know, we get the the files, the Outlook files, most most companies use Outlook, and we go through that, and we can document a lot of what the client's saying. If there was a meeting on the day the client said, here's the invitation to the meeting. They did talk about this because here's the thank you after the meeting and the confirmation. And so, yeah, it's been awesome from an employment law standpoint. It's a lot of document review, but we're getting really good at it. Clients shouldn't be intimidated by this idea of preserving all of their data on their personal devices. No, but it is scary. I mean, look, you're going through a tough time. We get it. You're, a lot of times people come to us terminated. Your job is so much more than what you do. It's who you are. And you feel like you've lost a piece of that identity. And now it's like you're being victimized again by having to give up all these private things and things that you treasure, um, like your phone and your, your your social media usernames and passwords. You're like, I don't even really know this law firm other than reputationally. And now I'm giving them all of the secrets of my life. And that is hard. Uh, but make no joke about it. I mean, bringing a claim against an employment law claim is a big deal. And we want, to, we want you to be successful, but we need the client to be in a partnership with us in order for that to happen. So rest assured, everything they tell us is going to be held in the strictest of confidence. And, and they, if they give us permission to, we'll use it in their case. So on this topic, what types of documents are most important? So believe it or not, the name of the employer can sometimes be an issue. Everyone's like, oh, I work for McDonald's. No, you don't. You work for like Melton Management, which is a franchiser who may have a franchise with McDonald's. Maybe you work for corporate McDonald's, but we don't know. So First thing we need, the name of the employer. And where is that going to be found? W-2s, um, tax returns, anything, handbooks, anything client employer related. That's really important. So getting all of that. And people don't always save everything, but they should save like their tax forms. So that can sometimes be helpful. W-2s. Um, they might have a copy of their W-4. More likely it's a W-2 or a 1099 or handbook and, and, and emails. Um, we also then need where the goods are. That's the text messages. That's the social media posts. We need the names of the websites that they're looking at. Pretty much anything that relates to their job. They shouldn't filter. They should give it to us. They, you know, you never know what's going to become important later. We usually have a good eye for it because we've been doing this, like you said, almost three decades in my case. So, um, so is the form of the document important? It is because eventually if we ever do get to court, we have to enter the document into evidence. So if someone takes a screenshot of a text message, that's a little bit more challenging for us as opposed to having uploaded the text messages from their phone to an app because you know, you, if you, you're like recording it like a picture, a date and time, and so it's a little harder to use that, it's not impossible. But we do want to think about, well, we want the integrity of the document to be maintained. So you know, don't forward an email from someone else and then put your notes on top of it. We'd rather just do a clean forward with no comment so that we have the integrity of the original email. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. And then what are things that may not be as important just to cover? I would say everything's important if it relates to the job, send it in. And there's some things out there that clients need to know. It's really important that if you're suing someone for termination or lost wages, you must show what efforts you took to go look for a new job. So you can't just stay home, watch the soap operas, and eat bonbons. you got to actually prove your efforts to look for new work. That often means online, um, like Indeed, Monster, or any of the other ones. Now, Indeed. is it putting in applications, or does browsing history work as well? I mean, we need it all. So what I suggest, and I, we tell clients at the very beginning, start creating a list, and you can run your report and your history on Indeed and on some of those browsers, and we, we're going to need that. Now, they don't last forever. So if you wait till two years, and now we're bringing a lawsuit, and we're like, hey, what, what did you do? You're, you're like, I don't remember. I know I applied to this one place. 
that's not going to be successful. You need to show an ongoing effort to, to mitigate. It's called mitigation of damages. I want to show an ongoing effort to do that. And if you've created a resume for that, we'd like to get a copy of that as well. Once we have everything that we need and we're preparing. But we never have everything we need. But yes, the idea <laughs> so, is to get everything that's out there, to see what we have, to build a best, the best case we can. So in the situation that they are hiring Scott Law Team and they are still employed, should they still be supplementing the material going forward. Yeah, so what, you know, look, here's the end here's the end goal. We need proof of who the employer is. So as they continue to work there, those additional new tax forms will want those. Um, we need to any personnel items that happen. And if their case is still unfolding, like they're still employed, they haven't been terminated yet, any personnel documents uh, would be helpful. If they've filed a complaint, we want to get those complaint items. So I would also mention that if they have counsel, it's probably a good idea that they're going through their lawyer and making sure that what they're communicating to others, at least if it's about their case, should come through us, if at all possible. So, um, but yeah, we're going to need supplemental documents if they're still employed. Um, and the, you know, the goal here is to get what's out there from the client, personnel files, personnel handbook items, any kind of documents that they've retained. And I wouldn't filter if it relates to the job give it to us. Let us go through and filter. We're very good at organizing that. Better that we have it and decide we don't need it than to not have it and not even know it exists. So I need to get you the data yeah. from my cell phone or personal devices. How do I actually do that? So if you have an Apple or an iPhone, um, you can come right into the office. We'll help you. We'll actually upload a mirror copy of your phone. Uh, we don't look at all your personal stuff and your personal photos. We're mostly interested in text messages between the key players in your case. So we can do that for you. Or you can use an app yourself. There's some great apps out there. One of them I think I've been using is iMazing. Um, and it's different depending on what type of phone you have. But that's the easiest way to do it. In turn, does that work for computers, laptops, tablets that may not be Apple or Android? Yeah, we'll just make a mirror copy of them. And they, I think the easiest thing for, for clients to do if they're not tech savvy is just to bring it in to us, you know, because that way we can make sure we're getting it all. And we want to make sure we're getting access to the cloud too, you know, but that's where the, that's where the details are. Uh, there's, it's a lot, it's a lot of information out there, but cases have been won and lost. I, I mean, the one, the one that I'm thinking of in particular, there was, um, a case where I represent was an age discrimination claim and the gentleman had been called some pretty bad names and we were interviewing witnesses and they had heard the names. And then one of them, we asked them, could you just check your phone to see if maybe any of that was recorded in a text message? And sure enough, they had a text message from the manager to them saying, oh, that old man, his teeth get stained because he eats too much blueberry pie. Alone, that might not be a giant piece of evidence, but together with the other elements of the case, weaving that through, it just corroborates the client's story and it makes the difference between winning and losing. Could you help clarify on what makes a good witness or who is a good witness? Yeah. So every case, clients always want to give me character witnesses. They want to tell me, talk to my school teacher from elementary school. I'm an honest person. Um, and while I believe that that to be true, uh, that's not what we need. So we're not looking for character witnesses. We're looking for people who have personal firsthand knowledge of what they're saying happened to them. So in the workplace, if they're complaining of harassment, we want to know who saw it. We want to know who did it. We want to know the when. So a timeline's helpful with the witness testimony. Who, okay, this incident happened and here's who saw it and who's who. here's who else might have been present or might have overheard it. That's one thing. Sometimes clients tend to give me who they told about it to later. So, hey, Sally, I had drinks with Sally after this incident happened. I told Sally all about it. 
I'm glad you have a support system named Sally, but like she's not going to be a key witness for us because Sally didn't see it or hear it. Although sometimes that can be helpful. But what but we really want is the people who saw it, heard it, have personal knowledge of it. In summary, bystanders are great. Support system, maybe mm. keep them off to the side. Yes, but you can give them to us, but just tell us that they don't have personal knowledge. We also want to know people you think it might have happened to. So in these cases, there's often a pattern. You know, people tend to be the same person. So if there's other women who worked for a company where one person's being harassed, it's a good chance somebody else was being harassed too. And so the names of other females. Um, this is one that's not intuitive. If you're claiming like some, some people come to us because they feel like they're being treated differently because of a different type of characteristic, like a race case, for example. So it's going to be less common for people to use racial slurs in the workplace, hopefully. I mean, we don't see that as often anymore. It's a little bit more veiled. And so in that situation, what we want is not only the names of people who might have heard and saw things, but the names of other people who were treated better, who had the same job. We call those comparators. So in a workplace where there's laborers, if half the laborers are African-American or of color and the other half are Latin or Spanish-speaking or Hispanic, then we might want to compare how those people are treated based on their category, right? And so if we show preferential treatment towards one, that's going to be great evidence for us for later. Um, so that's, that can be helpful. And so it, this feels like a big task. It's not. I can just broil it right down very simply. Start with what happened to me. If the adverse things that happened to you were, I got fired, I was written up, and I never got paid overtime. Maybe those are just some examples. Then what we're looking for is, are there examples of other people who did get paid overtime, who weren't written up, and who weren't fired for similar conduct? So if you just boil it down, and it can be very simple. And our, our team is here to do that for you. We know you're not lawyers. That's why you hire us. But what we want, you have the information in your mind. We got to get it out so that we can build the best case we can for you. So while we wrap up, are there any keynotes that you hope or wish that clients knew during this process? Yeah, I want clients to know that we're, we're excited about investigating their claim. We do this because we have a passion for what we do, and we want clients to help us help them. And the best way we can build the best case for them is to unearth evidence that proves what happened to them. And we can't do that alone. Um, we need them to tell us with detail, and they might need to tell us over and over again, and we're sorry about that, because the more times you tell your story, the more we learn a little bit about it, right? And so we need them to tell us the names of people they have in their head. We need them to give us the documents they have, the text messages, social media posts, even websites. G give it all to us and don't hold back, um, because that's the way we're going to work together as Scott Law Team to build a great case for them. Well, it's been great to talk with you today, Kathleen. Thank you. And as always, you can tune in next week for our episode of Can They Do That? In the meantime, feel free to get connected with us on social media at Scott Law Team or visit our website, www.scottlawteam.com.